Hey y'all, it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys tell us about Dreadful Circus, Dune, a game of conquest and diplomacy, Land vs. Sea, and Night of the Ninja. Plus, the guys have a taste test, that's not anything new, with Mountain Dew Voodoo. Can they determine what the flavor is? Hello and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 241, Carnival 9. My name is Marty. I'm Tony. And I'm taking credit for this name. Tony had actually come up with another name uh, for this episode, but we're going to be covering Portal's brand new game, Dreadful Circus. When I think of the art and everything that's on that, I just think of the song Carnival 9. To me, it just fits, which is a very popular song from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And you can take credit because I had, uh, what was it, Sea and Sand by The Who, because it would cover other games we're going to be talking about. I thought, and, and I'll have to check this one out when I did, you know, songs that have circus. I was going to do, a, I think Britney Spears has a circus song. And if, yes, it's called Circus by Britney well, Spears. There you go. Britney's free. Britney's free. <laughs> so you've been keeping up with that, huh? Well, it's on the news every night. So yeah, you're going to keep up with it. Yeah. I just know, I just know Matt Amodio. I think I said that name correctly on Jeopardy. He's going for Ken Jennings. He's, he's gotten Holzhauser down. He's got $1.2 million on Jeopardy. Can you imagine that? $1.2 million on Jeopardy. So I was trying to think, does Ken Jennings hold for the most money one or the most games one? To keep from a $5, I definitely know he has the most games one. I can't remember if there's others that have been in money-wise, but it took him forever. Okay, got it. But the guy is amazing with the button. I mean, it's just like his reflexes are, and he's beating everybody. He, he's got the timing down. I think they're going to call shenanigans eventually and say everybody else's buttons are blocked. I don't know. I, th- I think the questions are getting slightly easier, too, because I'm getting them. Who's the host now? Mayim Bialik. Oh, yeah, yeah. From uh, Well, she's been from several things, right? But most notably, Big Bang Theory, right? Big Bang, uh, Blossom, of course, yep. Beaches. She does an, an incredible job. Yep. I- I'll give her that. She does an amazing job. I love uh, how she interacts with the contestants and things like that and how she... And she's a neuroscientist, so... Neuroscientist. I couldn't think of it. I knew she had a degree in a pretty specialized science field. And I was thinking astrophysicist, but I think astrophysicist was um, the lead guitarist for Queen. Uh, Brian, Brian May. May. Yep. If I'm pulling out a group person name before you. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's because I'm, I'm sitting there. So my mind's already reeling, right? It's like, if it's not astrophysicist, that's $5. So is it really astrophysicist? And all of a sudden I couldn't think of Brian May. So... I don't remember them all. We can go back and watch Bohemian Rhapsody, or you can just go to Google if the internet's working today, which it was down from the day we are recording this on October 4th. And from my standpoint, you know, it's it's the old person show. Right. We talked about senior moments last time we, we recorded, and now we're talking about Jeopardy. Uh, Blue Bloods came back. CBS is running. And um, what was it? Oh, Colbert on Late Night. He actually went after the people who watch CBS. You would have loved it. They put him in a black and white and said, all right, I'm talking to you old people now that are watching CBS. The only people watching his show are old people. So he's just talking directly to his audience. I'm not here to judge. No, no, I'm just, I'm just saying that uh, CBS late night is going to be watched probably by, well, I know it is because if you look it up, it's going to be an older demographic. 
Young people don't watch late night talk shows anymore. That's not no. a thing. So nobody's watching that. Nobody's watching any of them. But with they're on they're on their Twitchers and their TikTokies. Exactly. They're, I mean, the ratings are tanking for them. I mean, right now, if you've got infomercials, you know, going at three a.m., when is a major network going to? I mean, we already got esports on TBS, so this is normal TV. Esports is on TBS? TBS. I think it's on TBS. I, I didn't know or, that. What's what esports is on there? I don't know. It just says esports. Oh, interesting. I didn't know. I didn't know that. That's cool. I think it's TBS. Not worth five dollars. I'm not giving out five dollars for that. The, we can't put a qualifier on everything. <laughs> yeah, we can. This show does not qualify for five dollars. <laughs> the entire show. <laughs> entire show. Because you know, that's just because we're recording so early and that's all right. By the way, yes. when this episode comes out, there was a blatant error in the last episode that I left in there just to see if somebody would catch it. Oh, I think I caught it. Or what what was it? Yeah, because it'll be done when this comes out. Right. You left in, I think, the the pink Ticket to Ride error? No, that's not it. Okay. Then I glossed over it when I was fast-forwarding to find the timestamps. What was the blatant error? I can't remember either. It just left me. See? That's what this show has become. I just remember wow. I, left, I, I just left in one, and I thought, I'm just going to leave it in there see if somebody f- finds it. So we'll see. Wow. Okay. I mean, there's going to be plenty in there, and we've already started out with probably three or four this today. Oh, easily. Oh, and by the way, also here, here's another one in case somebody wants to check. The lead guitarist, Tom Schultz for Boston, I believe, has a degree in mechanical engineering and worked for Polaroid. That I do know. He worked for Polaroid and helped with the one step. We also know that he was basically Boston. That man is really smart and really talented. The dude made his own amplifiers. Well, so, you know, so did Brian May. Brian May actually worked on some of his own equipment too and still uses it to this day. There's one particular amplifier. I watched an interview with him recently. There's one particular amplifier that he used in most of his recordings to get that Brian May sound. And did you also know that he played with a metal coin? instead of a regular guitar pick, which also has a very distinct sound. I did know that, and I forgot it, because I think you've mentioned it maybe 100 episodes ago, because <laughs> yeah. that comes up. Because it's very interesting. It's a very interesting fact. You know, Tom Schultz over Boston, when you look at, when I flipped it over, when I was first listening, and you flipped over the album, yeah. which have come back, yep. you'd see all the credits. I was, I was like, what did he not do? <laughs> right. And I think he actually recorded in his own basement and everything. So instead of going to a studio, dude had his own recording studio. And that first album, which was huge, was basically their first album. It was just insane how big that one album was. And they never duplicated it. I mean, they were still big after that, but nothing touched the numbers of that first album. Yeah, kind of like Frampton Alive or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know, I never understood that. It was like, I remember growing up, it was like, okay, there's Frampton Alive, but what other songs, it did, yeah, were, were the songs that he sung no, 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 on, no, no. were the songs that he sung on Frampton Alive recorded on previous albums, or was the first time you ever heard those songs, he did them live? Don't know, don't care, never researched it. Wow, you don't care. I mean, I can understand don't know, but you could at least care a little bit. Okay, I'll care a little bit. Uh, but it's not worth me typing in Google to find, figure this out and go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> it's like, you, you got the answer at your fingertips. It's like, it's just not worth my time. It's just not worth me trying to research and rabbit hole because it will. I will rabbit hole down something else about... Dong, 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 dong. 
no, 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 whatever it was. I know everybody's appreciating that and you won't cut that out because, well, you may be able to cut it out now. So, you know, you use the thing called the vocoder where it does the talking. Yeah. Have you seen what that is? Basically, it's a pipe you stick in your mouth. Mm-hmm. And, and when, yeah. yeah. Okay. I've seen the videos. Mm. I, did, I have done that that rabbit hole. Now, and, uh, and not that we're on music and somehow we uh, squirreled over there. Imagine that. But I mean, up there with Yes and their incredible three-person band. Early Yes was not three-person. I thought early yes was three person. No, 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 no. So, I mean, they had a couple different drummers. Alan White was one. You had Rick Wakeman on keyboards. He joined a little bit later. Anderson was the singer. Or maybe I'm thinking of some, another. Steve Howe was the guitarist. And one of my favorite bass players of all time is Squire. Billy Squire. No, it's not Billy Squire. Oh, my God. One of my favorite bass players of all time. And I've already forgotten his name. Okay, and I was thinking of the wrong band. I was thinking of not Yes. I was thinking of Rush. Ah, Chris Squire. Chris not Squire. Squire. And- Chris Squire, who I saw live. Chris Squire is an amazing uh, bass player. Yes, Rush, three-person band. That one you did get right. Can you name the three persons? Anderson Wakeman Howe. No, that was what we just talked about. <laughs> Emerson Lake and Palmer. No, that's who did the no. title of this uh, show. <laughs> no, I cannot name it. All I can know is Tom Sawyer. He's a mean, mean guy. <laughs> you you can't name one person off rush once again i'll have to google i never knew it therefore i'm not going to retain it so i i know you you're the music you're the music to this show not me getty lee alex lifeson neil pert or pert i'm not sure which one it is who okay uh passed away last year oh Or earlier this year. Was it early this year or last year? Anyway, that was rough. I remember when he passed away, a lot of people, obviously drummers, were very much influenced by him. How do we get on this? I don't know. I could talk music all day. Music is one of those things I could sit here and just talk about all day long, so I'll, I'll hop off of it. But once again, we are a board gaming podcast. We are. We are. And we are excited to be part of a major announcement. Now, if you've been listening to some other of your favorite YouTubers and podcasters, they've been talking about the World Series of Board Game. Wow, this is a long title. The World Series of Board Gaming 2022 Championship Games, which is going to be hosted at Bally's Las Vegas that's in Nevada. Next year, September 28th through October 2nd. Now, Tony, this is a big deal because what this event is trying to do is determine the best board gamer of all time, where you're going to go in there and compete against a bunch of other gamers in 16 qualifying games. And it's going to be played over multiple rounds to where there's only one champion, and that champion is going to walk away with $25,000 in cash, plus a championship bracelet valued at over $3,000. But hey, you know what? If you don't come in first and you come in second, you're going to get ten dollars I was like, oh, I wish I had come in second. I came in third. Well, that's all right, because you're getting five dollars That's a big purse, man. So if you're a big gamer, this might be something you might want to be checking out. Let me understand this. If I show up at this thing, I've got to play those 16 plus games. Yes. Well, it's not plus. It is 16. 16 games. I'm kind of discounting this. Okay. And the reason why I'm saying that is I didn't see strike in the list. It was not. It, it was not. Now, what's happening is, is we're part of a month-long event where a, every uh, different podcast, YouTuber, etc., is announcing one of the games that's going to be played. And we're honored uh, to announce one of, actually, our favorite Euros of all time 
from one of our favorite designers, and that is Brass Birmingham, designed by Martin Wallace. I mean, there's there's short games, long games, and this is a pretty intense Euro right here. Yeah, I mean, it's a Wallace design, so it's fairly straightforward. That's the beauty of a Martin Wallace game, but Birmingham takes a lot out of you. I mean, I could see someone getting a, a, a towel down during during the round. Oh, towel me down. <laughs> Caught me, Mickey. Caught me. You know, that kind of stuff. I could just see that happening at this convention, especially with Brass Birmingham on the table. Yeah, and here's the thing. This is what's so cool about it. It's not like uh, this is catering towards, uh, you know, light games or family games or uh, very heavy games. It's the whole gambit. They're looking for the best gamer ranging from super light, family-friendly games all the way to heavier games. And, you know, Brass Birmingham is going to fall more on that heavier side. How do you get invited to this? Do you know by chance? Because I don't. My, I, I oh, know there's my nothing invitation. to invite. You just go and uh, compete. So I have to get on a plane, get to Vegas. When was this again? This is going to be September 28th through October 2nd, Bally's Vegas, we're going to have a link in our show notes. Now, tickets and game registration are not up yet, uh, but you'll just want to keep an eye on that site. There's a newsletter, so go join the newsletter. And as soon as you, as soon as they have everything up, schedules and everything, uh, then you can see it. I mean, right now, um, there's a clock that's ticking down on their site. There's 358 days until this happens. So you got a little bit of time to prep. Uh, but what's going to happen is, is you're going to know uh, at the end of this month what all the 16 games are so you can start practicing right now. And in fact, these games have been rolled out over the past couple of weeks from YouTubers and podcasters. The day after this episode releases, make sure to go listen to Geek All Stars and The Secret Cabal as they're going to reveal the next two games. So I'd be interested. I can't wait to see the full list of this. It would be even more fun is if we could heckle. From the <laughs> that audience. would be great. Oh, I didn't mention this. So every anybody can attend, anybody can compete. But here's the thing: uh, whoever wins the game in each of the brackets, they go home with a championship ring. Ooh, a ring! A ring! Oh, nice! Like you can put to see people on your front doorstep. No, not like oh. one of those, like you know, like a gold ring that you put on your finger, like a like a Super Bowl ring. Oh, that you make noises on the table. You sit there and, and irritate people. Yeah, or, 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 or clink the glass like the glass I got right here. Like that. That's irritating. It yeah, is irritating. irritating. Yeah, stop that. And in fact, if anybody listening wants to go, well, get a hold of this. We're going to be giving away a complimentary one ring event ticket. This is going to be a coupon code that you can use that's going to be worth 250 bucks. It can be upgraded if you want. Now, once the site goes live and you can see ways to register and everything like that, we'll run this contest and tell you how we'll do it in a future episode. But if you want to find out more information, head over to WSBGVegas.com. Again, that's WSBGVegas.com. And you can get all the information. The game is going to be played. Uh, when tickets go available, all the different types of events, and then come back and listen to a future episode of ours. We're going to be giving away a one ring event ticket to this event. And Tony, to be honest with you, I would actually love to go to Vegas and check this out. Last time I went, it was like 300 degrees there. Well, this would be the time of the year where it's not as hot. I don't think so. It's a desert. No, I agree. A desert. I agree, but yeah. that's why you're indoors most of the time. That's right. And you can go everywhere indoors there and get your picture taken with funny characters <laughs> that then chase you and try to take your money from you. Oh, yeah. I could. Oh, we could go. And we could we could pay our way by putting you in a squirrel suit. Could we? We could have you out there on the strip, especially after the 
2022 championship of gladiators in an arena is decided. Now it was missed. Gen Con is finished. And unfortunately we weren't there and it was kind of a sad day. It was, it was. And to be honest with you, uh, Robinsberger reached out. Um, are you guys going to go? Do we want to plan an event? And I said, it's just not going to work out this year to be honest with you. I don't think it would have been nearly as fun with everything that's going on, restrictions and everything. So let's just hope and pray that next year in August in 2022, things will be back to normal. Uh, Ravensburger is behind us 100% putting on an amazing event. So I cannot wait to see what we come up with. So definitely keep that in mind as you start thinking about what can I do at Gen Con 2022. We will start working probably with Robbins Burger at the beginning of the year to start making big plans so we can get that put in the Gen Con event schedule as early as possible. Yep. Go ahead and get the, I need to call up uh, the warehouse. Go ahead and put in our um, reservations. Yeah. Or who knows? Maybe we look for another venue that can hold even more people. There's a lot of options on the table. Well, I hear that the Colts football stadium is taken or we could have hold it. Yeah, we, we could, could have. We, we, that would have been amazing to have the football field full of just strike tables. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a dream. <laughs> oh, my. Well, I tell you what, I am a little parched. Okay. So I need to drink something. So in typical RDTM fashion, we have a taste test tonight. We finished up with a new Coke. And the new uh, Coke Zero taste, and I've gotten used to it. It's all you can buy around here. But as Mountain Dew does not mm. let us down, they come out with um, various flavors, especially around the holidays, around the summer. We had the bashes, and now we've got the Mountain Dew Voodoo, and it's a mystery flavor. Yep, they come out with this every year. This is the 2021 version. Uh, I can't remember what last year's flavor was, but supposedly every year that it's a new flavor. I have uh, not tried this either. It took you a while to find one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, it's either that popular or just not that well distributed. I don't know. You haven't tried it yet. Are you, you being truthful? I am being 100% truthful. I think All everybody right. else has tried it but me. I said, I'm going to wait and do this online with you so we can uh, experience this together. Interesting design on the can. We got a spider on it. We got a ghoul with the voodoo in his helmet and he's holding up Mountain Dew 3. Is there a significance there? Yeah, I'm not sure why he's holding up his fingers like that. It's not a helmet, it's a hood. It's a, he's got a hoodie. It looks like uh, basically death, right? And inside mm-hmm. the mask, you see the words voodoo. No, it's a, it's a very nice can. Man, condensation is going all over the place over here. But if it looks like death, is that would that kind of want you to taste it? Probably not. But, you know, in the spirit of the season, sure. I mean, why not? And it's got 160 calories. It does. So you're going to suck it back. I will not be finishing this more than likely. All right. I'm ready. Are you ready? All right. Let's pop the top here. One of these days we're going to get these in sync. Hmm. What's that smell like to you? Do you even have a sense of what it might be? Kind of a booberry. Yeah. So I immediately get hints of tropical punch. Yeah, me too. The same one. Yeah. All All right. right, Ready? Here we go. Yeah, let's do this. I'm definitely getting tropical punch something, something like that. What do you think? Tropical. I wish I still had a tropical punch to compare it to. Got, got a got a hint. No, I don't want to say grape. It's definitely berry. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I've seen some reviews of it where people tried to taint me and say it's awful, but um, I don't think it's awful. What color is it? I can't. I don't have anything to pour it into to see. Uh, it looks silver. So it's clear? Yep, it's clear. I wonder if Vanessa's tried this yet. 
I'm gonna hold on. Let me open the door. Of, uh, uh, Tony, let me ask over here. Hey, Vanessa. Okay. What what flavor do you think this is? I think it is. I don't know. Is it like a blackberry? We're getting tropical punch. What? I don't know. Is it queer? She said she's sensing blackberry. Okay, I don't know that taste. Okay, so she she's querying the boys right now, so she'll come and give us a report in just a second. They're not. They don't live at home. How is she querying them? Uh, uh, dude, come on. Phone, Snapchat, our family chat on Snapchat. My daughter hasn't responded to a text in two days. <laughs> she said, "I ain't got time for you." She ain't got. If, if you need a lawyer, my daughter will be graduating in a year and is looking for a job. Just saying. Oh, good. I got a traffic ticket. Could I have her look at it? Uh, she's in corporate finance. That's fine. So, I don't care. Just just stamp something. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, I don't dislike it's not, it. It's not bad. I think I like this year's not. better than last year's. I remember last year's I wasn't that crazy about. I mean, it's no fruit punch. The the Baja fruit blast yeah. that we had. That one was, I enjoyed that one. I, I may drink this whole thing. It's not that sweet either. Oh, you will be spinning in your chair. You're not used to that much caffeine. <laughs> I'm, not much th- I'm not used to that much caffeine. No, All right, not. so that's the Mountain Dew. But, uh, so what's it called again? Mountain Dew Voodoo Mystery Flavor 2021. I don't mind it. Don't mind it. I don't, I don't mind it either. Oh, speaking of... Oh, something else I tried today since we're on food, right? So uh, Vanessa and I forgot to take out chicken tonight uh, to thaw out. And we've been oh, tonight was your chicken night. Too? It was our chicken night. We forgot to take it out to thaw, so we're gonna have it tomorrow. Chicken cabbage, blah, 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 some other stuff. So I said, "What we want to do?" And she said, "Well, you know, we've been wanting to try the KFC chicken sandwich. You know, everybody has a chicken sandwich now, right? Mm-hmm. Now Popeye started out with it, and then everybody else started coming out with it. And Bojangles and uh, McDonald's is horrible. Don't get that one. It's not good." Taco Bell just introduced the chicken sandwich taco, <laughs> which yes. I need to try. So we went and tried the KFC chicken sandwich. She got the regular. I got the spicy. The spicy is nothing more than them putting a little bit of sauce on it. It's fine. It's it's decent, but I rank it below Popeye's and Bojangles. Where's Chick-fil-A and all that? Okay, so Chick-fil-A has a new chicken sandwich, right? That's not their regular chicken sandwich? Well, they have the spicy and they have the regular. Okay, so then they're just regular sandwich. See, here's the thing. Chick-fil-A is good, but I love that crunch from the Bojangles and the Popeyes. Okay, hold on. Uh, I We're getting a live update here from Vanessa. No, she is not. She's waving me off. <laughs> oh, open the door. Open the door so we can hear you. Come on in here so we can hear you. <laughs> they can't hear you. All right. It's it's not given an official flavor. It's just saying voodoo has berry. Berry. Well, we said berry. Yep. You said fruit punch. Well, I know, but we were saying it has some sort of berry flavor, and and, yeah. and tropical punch has berries. Travis said it's the flavor of lifesavers. <laughs> so we got uh, um, our Travis said the flavor of lifesavers. Okay, um, that's very fruity. And uh, no word from Brett. Okay, and Brett's just not going to respond. No, candy flavors is a thing. So here's something else that says... Oh, she's doing all of our research over I here, Tony. She, she's the one Googling for us over here. Okay. All right, here we go. She's found some. years have included candy corn. Uh, oh, candy corn. That might... Uh, yeah, yeah, hold on. Okay, time out. You're not a big candy corn fan? Uh, well, I was very... We could talk about the popcorn we had at game night, but I'm not... I, a little bit. Okay, we'll, we'll bit come now. back to that popcorn because that was amazing stuff. Okay. Another one in the years past has been Fruity Candy Explosions. 
fruity candy explosion doesn't sound very good. When's the last time you tried it? You want to take a sip of this? I drank two of them. I kept it. I kept it. <laughs> <laughs> that girl don't need to worry about no calories. She's good. <laughs> that, that's pretty good, isn't it? No, I liked it. I had to keep it under wraps because I tasted it the first night we got it. It's been sitting in there a month. <laughs> Tony had trouble finding his. He finally got a copy of it. Copy of it. People are guessing Laffy Taffy, Starburst. Uh, wow. So they've been doing this for a while. I guess so. Others liken the flavor to Tropical Punch Kool-Aid. Boom. Wow. No. This yeah, is, those are all guesses. This is way more information about Mountain Dew flavors than probably people, people even care about. Sweet tarts. We'll just have to wait until Halloween night for the big mystery to be uh, to be resolved. That's when Mountain Dew reveals the flavor. Boom! All right, everybody, we have something to do on on Halloween night. So gather around the wet YouTubes or the webs, and we're gonna see what the final reveal is for this year's Mountain Dew flavor. Is it is it going to be on CBS? This is <laughs> yeah. an old thing. How is this going to be presented? Does it say? Is it going to be a big promotion? Or? All right, let me keep reading. Oh, my gosh. Let's There's find, more. <laughs> and you were curious how this show was going to be long. <laughs> so when we started the show, Tony and I were like, this is going to be a short show because we don't have a lot of banter <laughs> topics to talk about. And here's what we're doing right how now. can I read? <laughs> um, uh, you know, it doesn't say. Now it goes on into Taco Bell. <laughs> it doesn't say. Okay. I'm sure social media. Yeah, that'll be revealed on the uh, revealed on the site or something. Yeah. All right, y'all need to go get some voodoo. Whew. All right. Thank you so much for the update. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna go eat some M and M's candy corn and peanuts. Oh yes, our Halloween mix of M and M's candy corn and peanuts. It's a tradition here, October first. We went to Sam's. We got a big amounts of each of the three, and we mix them all together and been enjoying them. And our goal is to make sure that we never have to go buy any more, that that will last us the entire month. When the boys are here, that does not happen. I'm sure it doesn't. Them some big boys you got there. Now, did you? So that candy corn is where I picked candy corn popcorn is I got it at Sam. Oh, man, that stuff was good. And it was sweet, too, it boy. Was, it was sweet. It was sweet, but it was good. You kept us awake during game night. <laughs> That sugar everywhere. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. People are like, oh my gosh, I cannot spend, like, believe we spent 10 to 15 minutes on Mountain Dew. I know. It'd be like talking about lawn care maintenance. That's and RDTN. Stuff like that. Yeah, basically, we had a spot uh, for lawn care, but we, we talked right over it. So we're going to have to move on to something else now. Well, we're just going to keep moving on. Let's just close it out real quick on some of the things that are going on in Discord. We are helping people with their lawn care maintenance on how high you should be cutting your ground, grass in the fall. And then we also got some other items going on with Name That Bit. We helped somebody locate some bits that were gone astray. Yep. People jumped in on that. That looked awesome. I do read. I don't post very much over on our Discord channel. We do have a uh, manga book club. We've met once and we picked the next book. I can't find it. And I'm encouraging people, for those who found it, just meet without me. Just go on. Tell me what the next book is. So that's that's fun. Everybody's getting uh, manga, reading it, and getting together and discussing it, which is a lot of fun. So we get, we're doing a lot of different things on Discord. Uh, we're looking at some other things. Uh, ben, our event coordinator, was talking to some people and came up with a great idea that we're kind of tossing around. Uh, right now looking at doing some different things maybe in the in the future so please go join our discord channel uh you can find the links on our webpage uh and and come out and hang out with us and one thing that we're doing uh we're bringing back 
this year is our secret squirrel or what we commonly people know as secret Santa. Uh, we're going to be doing that again this year. We've already got it set up. You need to respond and accept by November 1st. And at that point, names will be drawn. And then you're supposed to have your gift shipped by the end of November. And people brought up an idea. And we'll see if we could do it if people want to is don't open your gift until we can have a night that we can get together and we're going to get together in Discord and each of us will open our gifts and see what we got. So they will wrap it for you on Amazon and that is how I'll be using uh, the Amazon force. I, yeah, I got to sign up. I appreciate you giving me an extra time to look into that. need to get that done and I got to come up with some ideas. Yep. Uh, that's the nice thing about the, the site that we're using. It's like Elfster uh, where you can have a wish list. Uh, so if you want to, you can like include links from Miniature Market or you include links from Amazon. A lot of people do it that way. So you can go out there and give uh, items for your wish list. We're putting a spending limit of 50 bucks. Uh, I know that sounds like a lot, but you know nowadays one game will cost $50 or more depending on what game you know you go and get. So join us. We, we've, gosh, we just cranked it up and we're probably already over 20 people right now easily just within a day or so so it's uh, a lot and everybody's joining every day so come hang out with us and uh, and that'll be fun for those who can get together and we'll open the stuff and talk about what we got and for those of you who are waiting for us to start talking about games so you can stop your exercising we're going to go over there and do that now but we extended this out just to make sure that you were ready for thanksgiving so here we go let's go get some game talk going In 2019, Ravensburger came out with Horrified. I remember it, Gen Con. Ooh. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll do the Foley stuff in the background. Go ahead. Oh, is that? I yeah. thought you were doing like that was a good game. I didn't realize no, I was, you were I'm doing do a like, ghost. I'm going to do like spooky stuff. I'll, I'll do sound effects. Uh, is this kind of like the echoes from the last one we did? It, it You're is. Doing, do... So, so anything, okay. anything time we do Ravensburger, I'll, I'll do some, some Foley stuff for you. Is this part of the commercial or am I restarting? No, no. We don't get paid enough to restart. This, this is part of the commercial. This is it. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. So this is part of it. All right. <clears throat> so 2019 Horrified, we were playing a game at Gen Con. This was about the various classic monsters. We're talking Frankenstein. We're talking about Dracula. We're talking about the werewolf. Well, in 2021. Like sorry. I'm sorry. That, that's okay. Sorry. I thought you were just going to do noise. Now you're talking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. So in 2021, they are releasing Horrified, the American Monsters. Dun, dun, dun. It's a standalone game, a co-op, where you are facing off against some of the classic American monsters from uh, Universal Monsters. We're talking Bigfoot. We're talking Burr. the Mothman. Burr. Okay, I want to hear this sound effect. The Jersey Devil. <laughs> <laughs> all, wow. All, all monsters sound like that. So, okay. Burr. Chupacabra. I don't even know what that is, so I'll assume it's her. And the Banshee of the Badlands. It's Banshee's and, a little higher. A little higher. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, yeah. uh, and the Ozark Howler. Arr. Oh, I like how you did that. You did a howl. Yeah, Very good. Well, okay. Hey, we just want to make sure they get their money's worth here, Tony. So I'm, I'm pulling um, all the tricks out of my bag over here. Okay. I appreciate that. You know, maybe... If, we charge more for commercial to get a sound effect machine. <laughs> they go, oh, what a refund. This was going to happen. <laughs> Are you going to pay us, boy? Uh, 
<laughs> so classic. I loved Horrified, trying to defeat the monsters. I cannot wait to get this one on the table in 2021. You can pick it up at Miniature Market. The more creatures that are in the game, the harder it is. You are trying to defeat them. So be sure to check it out. Robinsberger, Horrified American Monsters. Urgh. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Tony, I know that you're not a huge fan of social deduction games. So every once in a while when somebody comes that reaches out with with one that I think you might like, I, I get it just to see, you know, maybe this will be the one that really draws you in. So Brotherwise Games has a game called Night of the Ninja by designer Justin Gary, who you're a big fan of with his game Ascension, right? Yeah, I think I've played a few games of Ascension. I, I, I do enjoy his games. I do enjoy that concept. So when you told me about this, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a, like a little joyful chuckle you have or a, you know, a maniacal laugh where you're talking about, oh, I'm going to put a social deduction on there just to see how he reacts. Now, there are some that I do enjoy. I, I can enjoy a social deduction if there is an element of, oh, I don't know. I don't want to say it, where the cards are telling you to do something other than play a role. Mm-hmm. We talk about Call of Cthulhu. I enjoyed that one. But in this game, that's one of the neat aspects of this that I enjoyed was the fact that there were various roles or actions that you could do with the role you're playing. Like if I was a spy, I got to do something. But my favorite was the trickster where everyone was different. That's what set this game apart from the rest of them that I've experienced. So short version. I enjoyed this game. This is a team-based game that plays from 4 to 11 players. And at the beginning of the game, you're going to deal out cards that show which team or house that you're a part of. And each house is is numbered one through something. So let's say there's six players. So one house, you're going to get a number of a certain house, either one, two, or three. And there's the other one ranked one, two, or three. And the goal is to be alive at the end or be part of the house that is left standing at the end of the game. Everybody's dealt three cards. You keep a card, pass, keep another card, discard the rest. So you have two cards to play during the game. And each of those cards are roles. And like Tony, like you said, they have different roles. And the roles are resolved the same order every round. So like spy is the first one that's resolved. So anybody who wants to can play a spy during the spy round. The spy cards are numbered from uh, one to whatever, how many are in the deck. And the lowest of that particular type of card will resolve first. And maybe spy is, I can see what house you're in. So I could see, hey, maybe you and I are in the same house and I can find out real quick. And then there's other roles within the game and you resolve each one. And when it's time, say, for example, there's an assassin. I have an assassin card. When it's time, time to resolve the assassin cards, I can play it, which guess what? That's going to kill somebody. Some of them are look at a person's house and then kill them. So it resolves the exact same way every round. The goal is, again, to be a part of the house that's left standing. So even if you've been killed, but the last person standing is part of your house, then you get to reach into a bag and pull out a token and get some points. And the first person to get to 10 points wins the game. Now, as far as the social deduction goes and the, and the debating back and forth, there is that opportunity to try to convince people, hey, he's the house crane, but your house 
whatever the other one was, is saying, hey, no, you need to kill him, not me. And that can happen here, especially as you get more crowds. And if that drags on, that can be an issue for mm-hmm. me. And that's what I don't like about social deduction games. Here, I like how the fact is, as you're playing through those various roles, that if you don't if you play that card at that time, you cannot play it. It's done. It's over. Mm-hmm. So you've got to use it at the right time. And maybe that's part of a bluffing mechanism that you have to employ. Oh, he's got two cards over there. Does he have an assassin? Right. What am I going to do? Do I need to hold this card? Because if I assassinate him, there is a card that he can play that suddenly, hey, you assassinated me, then I get to take the honor chip. Yep. Because there are those types of cards that are in that deck as well. So I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, if, if both houses are standing, then you add up the cards of each house that are left still alive and the house with the most, the highest value is the one that actually wins. So the resolving who wins is very simple. Again, it's kind of a co-op game, but in the end there can only be one winner. So that's, that's the thing too. Yeah. There's only one samurai. That's right. There can be only one. So night of the ninja, it plays fast. I mean, they, they list the time at 15 to 30 minutes. We played with four. I think it would be more fun with a six to eight, uh, I believe mm-hmm. that four is the lowest count. I believe more would be interesting for our barbecue. It'd be one of those fun games to pull out again, supporting that many people. It's very easy. Resolve two cards, resolve the same way. Every time the cards are very easy to read. Even the twi- Twix, Twixsters. Wow. Tricksters who have different text on each of their cards. They're easy to read and understand too. So that is night of the ninja from Justin Gary, Brother Wise Games. Wow, it wasn't a grumpy Tony for a social deduction game. That should carry its weight in gold right there. Five-minute initiative is complete. All right, unless you've been living under a rock like me. <laughs> Come on, you knew this. Yeah, I did. I did know that Dune, the movie, was being remade right. and coming out. So, because you've mentioned it on the show, you've said you were going to go read the book. What page you on? It's still over there. If you look, I don't know if you can see behind me. I have a bookshelf back over here. There's a big thick Dune book that hasn't been cracked yet. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you haven't read anything about it. So the movie's coming out. So a lot of games are coming out uh, with Dune. Um, you know, Portal's got one, but we recently got to play the. Would you call it the the reimaged? Game from Gale Force 9 Dune, a game of conquest and diplomacy. We, I mean, it's streamlined version of the classic Dune. That's Dune game. exactly how I would say it. Is that what you would yeah, say? Yeah, because the classic Dune game has been around for years. Gale Force 9 reprinted it, and this is a massive game that takes you know a while to play with a lot of different factions. There's a lot of interaction and diplomacy and stuff going on. And what they've done is they've taken a lot of their similar mechanics streamline it down to a two to four player game that plays in 20 to 60 minutes. It's all about the spice. It's all about the spice, baby. I mean, everything in Dune's all about spice. You're going to play, be playing as one of four factions. And the goal is have control of three strongholds by the end of the third round, fourth or fifth round. And if nobody has control of three strongholds, then whoever has the most spice wins. How do you get control? Well, you just move your armies into the stronghold. And as long as you can beat off other people from coming in and taking it away, you still got control. That's how it is. Combat is simple. It's not as simple as rolling dice and comparing numbers. I know that. It's about committing armies, using this big will, committing leaders, and whoever has the larger number 
is going to win, but oh, it's not as simple as just adding up your leaders and your committed forces. No, 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 no. I wish it was that simple. It's all about playing certain battle cards as well. These battle cards come in, they can poison the leader, or better yet, they can protect your leader. Or there may be something else that comes in where you're like, oh, but if you do this, I get this action from it. So battle cards are important, which you get to draw two at the beginning of every round. But you also can purchase these marketplace cards as well, which cost you a little spice. Two spice per card. That's pretty pricey. So is it worth it? Marketplace card? Well, that gives you some benefits. So once all that's said and done, everybody goes through these various phases in the game of recruiting some armies, moving some armies, doing the battles, resolving the final who gets the spice flow, rinse and repeat. It was very streamlined. It was very, very streamlined. I, I, kudos to them for basically you walking through each of the uh, the five phases. And by the way, for those who are wondering, I've never played the classic Dune game. Have you, Tony? Never. Never played the classic. Now, we played with Mark, who has played the classic, and he was telling us a little bit of the differences. One, uh, one is, there's only four factions in here. And he said, these four factions are probably your more basic and God, I'm going to probably mispronounce these. And I just saw the trailer for it and I forgot how they said it. So there's House Atreides, the Freeman, the Harkonnen, and the Imperium. Man, you butchered that Imperium. That one was tough. Yeah, I know. So Mark was saying that, you know, the, those four, he said those are probably more straightforward. But he said there's some more tricky houses that are in the full game where you try to guess when the game is going to end. And there's some other things that can go on during the game that can make the game run longer just because of how the factions work. So he said, these are probably your more straightforward ones. And, and the board is a really nice board of Dune. It has the sectors, just like the, uh, the main board. And at the beginning, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to roll the storm die. Uh, there is a, a piece that indicates where the storm is on Dune and you're going to move the storm that many number of spaces around the board. And if there's any spice or any forces there, they get wiped away. And then you just move through every single one of the phases uh, after, after that. So the first couple of phases, just trying to get your forces on the board and set up and earn some spice. Did you know the spice actually had a name? No. Well, if you had read the book, you would know this. Okay. But it's called Melange. I did not know that. I thought it was always called the Spice. So, like I said, you move through the, all those phases. And one I missed was the Spice Blow. You draw a card off the top of the deck. That's where a new Spice will appear on the board, or maybe a Sandworm comes out that you have to deal with. Tony talked about the gaining of the cards. You draw a couple battle cards. You can buy some market cards. Revival, anybody that was knocked out, you get two of them back for free. You can pay to get other forces back. Then you put those forces on the board. You can move them around Battle Spice Collection. So that is all the phases. Very straightforward. You move through them really quick. Obviously, the longest phase is going to be the shipment, movement, and battle phase because that's where most of the action is going to happen. And Tony, how did you like the battle mechanic? Again, this is very much like the, for Mark was telling us, the full game. We have the battle dial where you secretly dial in how many you're going to commit and commit then a leader to it. I guess it beat rolling dice. And taking names. I, I agree. And then you could also play a battle card. You could play a, an attack mm -hmm. card and a defense card. And if you happen to match up, you know, if it was a poison attack and the defender happened to play a poison defense against it, it would cancel out. Uh, so, oh, one thing I do like is the traitor. At the very beginning of the game, you get to pick one card that's going to be the traitor. And if you happen to go up against 
uh, the leader that you have the trader card for, you can reveal it and just automatically win that battle. So the trader mechanic is cool and there's one faction that basically gets to have four trader cards. So you net, it's kind of risky when you go up against them because one of the leaders you pull out may be uh, one of the traders. That left a bad taste in my mouth. Oh, why so? I like that. I did not. Okay, why? To me, that felt overpowered, especially because I had to battle that person twice. Mm. And he drew my lead. And, and by attrition, by the third round, if I have not brought back my army and my leader and paid enough spice, then he could easily discern what leader I would probably be putting in that dial. Because he could easily say, okay, you've got four of your armies there and I've got four armies. I know you're going to try to beat me with this leader, traitor, and as minute I show you that traitor, you lose. You're, you're, that's it. You're done. And it felt kind of wonky to me. Hmm. But that's just, that's, that's, but then again, I mean, it was at the end of the, it, it was in the third round. Here I am in the stronghold with him. I'm the only person in there, which was a mistake by myself because there's only two people can be there. And I should have <clears throat> left the stronghold and left one of you jokers to come in and battle him because my leaders have been depleted because I tried to battle you. And I lost because your little special house could tell me what I couldn't play or could play right. so that you could easily defend it. Now, I played the Fremen, and my, my special ability was the ability to you know recruit armies cheap, only real cheap, free. You're the only one that could start out in the center spot in the middle of the board. So you it, travel was easy for you. You could get anywhere quick. Well, starting out anywhere in the board was real easy for y'all. I mean, oh, I can start here. I can start in this spot. I can start. Mm. The, I think I think the only disadvantage that y'all had was I wasn't going to be affected by the storms. Right. But y'all could. You If that dice, that um, I think it was a 10-sided dice, um, were to roll like a seven and that storm moved quickly around the board, that could wipe y'all out where I would be protected. For on our game, it didn't move. It moved one. It moved one. I was like, really? It's an eight-sided die, but yes. It's eight-sided yeah. die. Okay. So I was like, man, this sucks. Wasn't happy. <laughs> I was a little grumpy. You, you, you were. I wasn't grumpy at the game. I was just grumpy as how the results of the game came out. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, the, and this game also has some other options, too. We were playing four basically head-to-head-to-head-to-head. To head to head. Uh, you could ally. Two-player games where you have two players versus two players. If you want to, it tells you how to set all that stuff up. Uh, you can just do two-player games only, and it tells you how to set that up. So there are multiple ways to play the game. Not having ever played the original. So I did talk to some other people. I was talking to Joel Eddy from Drive Through Games, and I said, what's some other differences with this? He said, well, one was uh, during the gain uh, cards, uh, you just paid two and drew a market card off the deck. He was saying there's an auction phase during this where you can be able to buy cards from the market so he said that would make the game a little bit longer and then the fact that i think he said there may be more rounds in the full game of dune and the fact that just having the more different factions uh, just some of the nature of the beast of some of those factions would give the game a whole unique feel to it and uh there may be maybe they're a little more complicated to play but i think the goal of this was I like Dune. I like a lot of the mechanics of Dune, but I don't have a time to play the full game. So this gives me the feel of Dune in 60 minutes or less. Definitely. In ours, it was like 15. Wasn't that short. Okay, it wasn't that short. Felt like it. I was the one on the end of a whoopings. <laughs> it's quick to set up, too. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, just here's your forces and uh, let's set up the board and we're, we're kind of good to go. I like games that have these 
phases where you this phase then this phase and this phase i just like a real structured game like that play over five rounds so it was very easy to learn too for somebody who never played we picked it up pretty quick and i think there's a lot of strategy here that i was missing and also some of the you know hey guys i gotta leave this stronghold i don't have any way to defeat marty here one of y'all better get over here exactly and, and that's where you start allying together right it's like well mm-hmm. we can't let tony lose other thing is that only two people could be in a stronghold at once you need to get out of there let me bring my army in right i have more spice than you so that i can recruit more armies where you're desperate need of spice in your region why don't you go deal with that yep and then i'll come in there and then it becomes a battle between people my problem was i was sitting there trying to crawl control the strongholds as quickly as i could and that was detrimental especially when y'all could teleport into the strongholds i was like what kind of crap is this (laughs) don't y'all start somewhere else don't you start in the rocks don't don't do you not do you know if you walk across the sand the t- tremors are going to cause the worms to come up oh wait that's a different movie tremors yeah but whether we still had to still had to have uh worms in this that you have to deal with which again could pop up during that spice blow phase uh when you draw a card off the top of the deck didn't see one yeah didn't see one they were buried deep <laughs> but that's all right that's fine so yeah you know for me i think in, in light of the movie that's coming out a quick fast play game. If, if the movie is like, Oh, dude, 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 this is one of those games where quick combat, quick setup, interesting strategies to be had. You've got four races that you can play. Don't know if you can bring in the old races from the old game. It's hard to tell. I would doubt it. But I, I don't, I, doubt I think it. that would totally screw things up. So I think this I is do too. From what, from what we read, I, th- I think this is the only four, but again, I think that's the goal, right? It was the guy. It's like here, we just want to give you a fast paced streamlined version of the bigger game and here it is. And there's a lot of Dune games coming out. Uh, Portal obviously has one based on the detective kind of mechanics that's coming out. Last year, we played Dune, the deck building game. So they're getting that license out there to a lot of different companies. And since uh, Gale Force 9 was doing the full version of the Dune, uh, right as the movie drops, it's like, here, let's give you a little qu- uh, quicker, more condensed version of the game in case you want to check it out. So that is Dune, a game of conquest and diplomacy designed by Bill Eberly, Jack Keetridge, Peter Alotka, Greg Alotka and Jack Retta from Gale Force 9. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. So from last year, I had a game of the year from Good Games Publishing. Guildmaster. And Marty said, we got another game from him. This is Land versus Sea. John Paul Jacques. And this is a tile lane game. This is right up my alley. Love a good tile lane game. Love some strategy in that. And in this game, you are playing either as the land or the sea or the cartographer, if you have an odd number of players, and you're trying to get the most points by either having the most land developed or the biggest sea, not the biggest, I'm sorry, the most seas out there on the board. When you play a tile, if you complete a landmass, the land player scores points, even if the C player completes it. Or if you're the C player, you will score if you complete a lake. Because, you know, uh, that's what it's called when it's enclosed by land. It's called a lake. Now, an ocean, that's not really enclosed. So, you can, so an ocean won't score you any points. A sea's enclosed, too. A sea is enclosed if there's an ocean next to it. Mm, it's got well, the Black Sea, I know, the Black Sea is, is enclosed. The Dead Sea is enclosed. The Dead Sea is enclosed. 
So with that, you're trying to place tiles. And, and the most ingenious thing about this game for me, Marty, is that the fact that the tiles are dual. dual. They, they have an image on the front and an image on the back, and they differ. And they're hex-shaped. When I draw it off the top, I'm going to see what's on top. When I play a tile, I can then draw a tile. But I get to see that one, and then I can flip it over and see what's on the bottom. But you, as the other player, do not get to see that. Mm-hmm. So for me, I mean, I love a simple tile-laying playing tile laying game. And I was really intrigued by this when we were playing. I was like, man, this, this is complicated. It is. Because, there's a lot of strategy here. Because there's several ways to score. And we played uh, max types of scoring. The basic one is you enclose a land, you enclose a sea, you score points. What's interesting, though, is that some of the tiles have little X's or crosses on them. And whoever encloses that sea or encloses that land, even though it may score for the other person, you'll get points for those little X's that are on the tiles. So let's say, for example, you're the C player. I enclose a C and it consists of four tiles and you get four points. But a couple of those tiles have those X's. I'll get the points for the X's. If you had enclosed it, you would have got it. So I like that. Sometimes you may actually want to close off something, even though somebody else may get the points, you still get something in its stead. But then when you throw in things like uh, the coral reefs, where when you can align, when two coral reefs are adjacent to each other, you can score points. Mountain ranges. If you get two mountain ranges on the same sides of each other, you can score points when you when you build those up. Then there's something with caravans, which is in scoring games where you count the number of caravans consisting of camels and ships. And uh, whoever has the most in a particular trade route will get points. To me, that was the one I was least interested in. I like the other versions uh, more so than that because this is not a solitaire game like the game that we play Cascadia. In Cascadia, Mm -hmm. you're building your own little area. Here, both of you are adding tiles to a huge map. And sometimes on your turn, when you place a tile, maybe it's to make it more difficult for somebody else to complete their section and not necessarily help you. But also the tile, some of the tiles have special abilities. One, when you play it, has an icon that may say you get to play again, or there's another one that lets you steal a tile from the other player. And for me, I think that was very interesting strategy of playing this. I found myself looking also not only to complete my C's because I was the C player, but also to see how I could extend your lands. I was playing both sides. I was like, okay, which is unusual. And as far as, you know, what, when I think this and compare it to the, the, the granddaddy of them all, Carcassonne, I think of it of how you were completing the farms, the fields in that game. And so if you're a fan of that action of the Carcassonne, then, then this game is right up your alley. I really enjoyed this. I found it to be very strategic. I thought there was a lot of thought process going on here. It wasn't as simple as just throw a tile down. And I really liked the fact how you were sitting there and you were saying there, oh, please be the right tile when you flipped it over. I like that anticipation. That was pretty cool for me. So for me, I, I enjoyed land versus sea. So let me ask you this. So we've covered three different uh, tile games over the past three episodes, starting with Luna Capital and Cascadia and now land versus sea. How would you rank those? If I was to say, Tony, I want to play one of these three, which would you prefer to play? So if it's only two player, because there's a, there's a little difference here, I'm going to go land versus sea. Yeah. And then I'm going to go Luna Capital, and then I'm going to go with Cascadia. Why? Just out of curiosity, because I am the same way. I would go in that exact same order. I'll just tell you my, my reason real quick. is because my issue with Cascadia was it was solitaire. Literally, you were doing your own thing. I was doing my own thing. There wasn't a lot of uh, interacting with each other, except maybe drafting something somebody else needed. 
Here, it is 100% interaction, and you're trying to mess with the other player. Absolutely. And I think I think they would all be on equal. If Cascadia had more players for me, we only played with two, and I've only played with two with Donna, I think it becomes a more intense game, more turnover, not as much a, a, a solo game because of how people would be interacting with it. So I think that's one of the things about Cascade. I, I really do think it needs to be a, a three or a four player game. And then, then it will jump right up there. But land versus seed, love the artwork, thought it was amazing. I loved how all the tiles came together and how that configuration was. Really solid game. So once again, good games publishing. Well done. Five minute initiative is complete. Say there has been a company that we have been playing games ever since we've started this show, and that is Haba. Now, Haba is known, obviously, for their family games and their, their kid games, and recently they've been doing games that, you know, a little more in-depth, like the key that we really enjoyed. However, with Christmas and the holidays right around the corner, if you've got young kids, you need to go check out some amazing games that Haba has, like Rhino Hero, Animal Upon Animal, and toddler games like my very first game, First Orchard. You want to get your kids into board games. Not only are they educational, but they learn learn rules and how to follow rules. And there's, there's different types of games that can maybe take shapes and colors and everything. And it's just a great way to get them into the hobby. And we used hobby games very early on with our kids. And now all of a sudden they're playing magic and, and miniature games and everything like that. And here's the thing. We all know the issues we're having with shipping and everything like that. So you want to make sure to order these games right now. And then these games are available in some big stores like Target. There's a bunch of different Haba games out there. If you want some more specialized games, you can head out to their website, HabaUSA.com. If you're outside of the country, just go do a quick search for Haba where you can order them from a, a country that's a, a local to you. Again, Haba is known for their amazing family and children's games, and you want to order them now to make sure you get them in time for the holidays. So for classic Haba games, head over to HabaUSA.com. Why don't we give our thoughts on this latest game coming out at Essen from Portal Games, Dreadful Circus. This is from designer Bruto Faduti. And uh, I must admit, Tony, everybody, I think, read the rules before we sat down the table. We played uh, four players. Now, this does require four to eight players. This is one of those that we kind of had to schedule to get four players together. Uh, It plays quick. It's a 30 to 40 minute game. Uh, But we finally, we did get four people together. And when you read the rules, well, let me just jump to the end. The very end, you got to get points, right? It's all about collecting points. The idea is that you're on a circus. Uh, you're trying to fulfill contracts by going to different cities, and these little contracts are represented by tokens. Your goal is to get as many different these token contracts as possible, which will score you points. And there's also just money that you get from running your circus that also scores you points. So that's kind of the end goal. But how that is done is on my turn, I put a card on the table. Everybody else has a chance to bid on that card. You have these little, uh, they're called wagons. They're little boxes that everybody secretly takes either some contracts or some money and puts it into this box and presents it. Then the person who played the card can uh, accept the offer or not. So I can like take Tony's box and go, well, let me see if I want to accept your offer. I look at it. I go, hmm, 
I think one of the other two may do better and I give it back to you. And once I've turned down an offer, I can no longer accept that offer. Then I look at another box and eventually I will say, this is the offer that I want. I'll take the contents of that box, put it a little behind my little player screen. Everybody has a little player screen to hide all the stuff that they have. And the other person gets the card and the card will do one of two things. It'll go into play, which will be used as to, as a way, as an engine for like, Hey, this card represents this type of contract, or there's these little collection icons, another way to score points that you can get uh, onto the table. Or it's like a one-time action thing. It's like, I'm going to resolve this immediately, take an action, and then I'm done. So Tony, when I read, place a card, do a bid, and then play until basically all, or until everybody only has three cards left in their hand, and then tally up points. I thought, this ain't going to be that good. And I was wrong. Because if you just read it like that and said, okay, there's no interaction here, and it was just simply secret bids, no talking or anything like that, yeah, absolutely, this would be a stinker. This would be dreadful. <laughs> absolutely dreadful. <laughs> oh, God. So Ignacio's probably listening to this just rolling his eyes. It's like, oh, my gosh, guys, what are y'all doing to me? But loved it. Yeah. Absolutely. First off, there's nothing in the rules that say what you can and cannot offer. It just simply says people place bids in the wagon. Oh, it says there's no. negotiate. I mean, you can negotiate now. Yeah, but it doesn't say what or how. Sure. There's no limits. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. And let me just say, some of the negotiations that were going on at the table were fun. They were a blast. <laughs> yes. Because there was a card. I, I Remember this. A card that says, hey, when you play this card, you get to take contracts from someone else that they put in their wagon and give back to you. I won't use that card on you. I won't. I will use that card on you, but I'll definitely make sure you get what you want. Mm. And I was like, "Ooh, they spun it. I enjoyed that. They were, we were, we were, we were crazy. Yeah. We were so just crazy. This is we where having a blast. This has um, a lot of group dynamics. And if you got the right group, this could be a lot of fun. And we had the right group. Like Tony said, some of the cards, the red cards are basically, doing things to other people, maybe stealing things or hurting them. So when I play a red card and everybody else is bidding on it, then I want to make sure, look, if I take your offer, you better not affect me with that card. You better not choose me as the one to steal something from. So that sort of stuff is going on. Now, the person doesn't have to honor that, right? They could take the card and still stick you with it, but then you've kind of made an enemy at the table and you'll probably never take their offer again. And Tony, what was interesting too is sometimes... You always have to bid. If you have something that you could put in your little mm -hmm. wagon, you must do it, even if you don't want the card. So sometimes there may be a card that just makes no sense to you. It just doesn't do you any good. You put as little in there as possible, knowing that when somebody looks inside, they're not going to take it. And uh, you know, then you won't have to worry about getting that card. So that's part of it too. Another part of it is, as the game progressed, we were sitting there getting the in-game scoring, going through our minds, who was going to win, how that was going to impact. You, you still don't know what's behind certain people's uh, tableaus or their, their little tents. Mm -hmm. Because they're, they're hiding contracts and money, so you have no clue what no people idea. have. Yep. No idea, but you know what's in front of how they may potentially score with certain matches. So you can sit there and say, okay, if that card, if, if that, card that you just played, if he gets it, he's going to be beating you in points. If he gets it, He's going to be beating you in points. So you don't want them to get that card that you just played. 
So you could lowball. Yep. It's only to my benefit. So here you go. Here's one gold or whatever the, the lowest denominator, one silver. Yeah, one brass. I think it was brass was one worth one, silver two, gold three. Gold, yeah. Yeah, gold three. So you, you throw that in there. And now you, the seller, have to figure out, oh, how do I look at these? I, I, I don't want to give it to them, but I'm not getting anything. But I don't want to give up these other cards because at the end of the game, I get to pick one to play. Mm-hmm. So you have to factor that in. Now, Marty, this was just with four players, so we only had one seller. As this game escalates in the number, because didn't you say this can play a lot of people? Like This can play up to eight. And as soon as you add the fifth player, there are two sellers. So two people will be presenting cards on the table. You have to bid on at least one of those cards. And I think that's where this game will get really cool. So I can't wait to play with more than four people because I want to see how two sellers work. Because there may be a situation where... Everybody bids on one person's card, but maybe not somebody else's card. <laughs> and if nobody, if you don't take a bid, you that card's just discarded. It's not like you get it back. It's just gone and you get nothing for it. And like it. Yep. Which is a strategy. Maybe I don't want any of you fools to have this card. So I will get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So taking a rule book, which by the way, don't ever print black on red. <laughs> it, w- it was kind of tough to read. Yeah. Even with my glasses. So anyway, you take that rule book, you go in there, low expectations. How can this be anything? When you put that on the table, you get that right crowd in there. Suddenly this game comes alive. Better than some social deduction games yep. when it comes to the negotiation. Yep. Yep. I mean, that, that was clear. I've, some of the actions of the cards, you realize the potential. I didn't realize the card that I gave to Mark that I, that I said, you know, you break all ties. That's how he won. Because of that one card. Yep. And and there was something cool, too, that you got a card at the very beginning of the game that said, for every piece of silver you have at the end end of the game, it scores one extra point. A piece of silver scores two points. So that means for every silver, you're going to score three. So over the course of the entire game, you wanted silver coins. So somebody would say, Tony, I'm going to, my offer has at least one silver coin, which would entice you to take their offer because that's good for you in the end. The very last card I played was pick somebody to take all of their silver coins and put them into their wagon and you can steal up to four. So now Bert and Mark were paying high dollar or really wanting that card because they knew you had tons of car, tons of silver coins behind your screen. That's right. But there's no way to manufacture money. You start with a set amount. Right. A lot going on here. Ignacy. Bravo. Well, put on the Bruno, top hat. Bruno designed it and Ignasti was smart enough to publish it. Okay. That's fair. So, so basically, uh, he's the ringmaster. There you go. Ignasti's over there and he's bringing out his big act with Dreadful Circus here. Yeah. Now, the art, by the way, we need to mention this. The art and graphic design of the card are so good. They're so playful. Dreadful Circus. The, when you imagine dre- there's a big eyeball on the front and everything, the art just matches the theme perfectly. Because, you know, lots of times circuses are kind of used in like horror type flicks and stuff. And that's what this has a sense of. It's like weird, macabre. What do they call the uh, the circus acts? You know, the, the bearded ladies, they were uh, freaks. Uh, you know, the, the circus freaks and stuff like that on the cards and everything. So the art is just really, really good. Again, all of us read the rules and went, I put down a card and y'all place a bid and I take one. Okay. And we walked away that night. All four of us said that was the hit of the night by far. 
So that is Dreadful Circus from Portal Games designer Bruno Faduti. Wow, this is good, y'all. I'm serious. You got the right group. You're going to have a lot of fun with this 30 to 40 minute game. So all these games we've been talking about can be found over at Miniature Market at some unbelievable prices. Games we talked about in previous episodes, you can still find over at Miniature Market. Games from way back when, when we talked about them, they might be out of stock, so you won't find them over at miniaturemarket.com. So make sure you get over there as soon as possible. If you catch us in an error, spend that $5 gift card that we're gonna be sending you so that you'll be able to save a little money on that. Get up to about $99 and you will be able to get free shipping. If you're patient, have your friends put stuff in your order. If you're impatient like Marty was, go ahead and place your order and pay the very low cost shipping. I told you, market. I said, anybody need anything? Uh, chirp, 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 chirp. I didn't want, what I was wanting was selling out quickly. I had to place an order, so that's not my fault. I, I only, six hours later, I mean, you posted it in the morning, I got on and and, and you're like, oh no, I'm sorry, it's too late. I'll admit the other slackers didn't get on until a weekend later. So I'm gonna have to get over there in one of my favorite games from 2021, Subastral. I need to get that one ordered, as well as I ordered up Dice Throne recently. You know, yeah, $6 shipping, I can. that's an easy one for me to take care of, especially at those discount prices that they have over there. So be sure to check it out, miniaturemarket.com. Marty, we've been married a long time, right? Yes, ma'am. 20, <laughs> oh boy. No, you're supposed to say, it seems like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, it just seems like we're still newlyweds. <laughs> well, I, I say that just to say in our married life and with our kids, I'm always wanting to make memories. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I've ever told you this, that growing up, my mom used to always say, well, no, let me take that back. Once I was married and the, the things that I do with the boys every year and to make sure I do the same thing every year, my mom would always tell me, you're making memories, you're making memories. And one memory that the whole family has, all five of us, was the first year we went to Gen Con. Which was, I believe, 2010. Yeah. And do you remember, like, there was one specific event, like, there was a lot, but there was one specific event that we all just connected with. Uh, is it when we played, like, a, a live scale size version of Dungeons and Dragons? That is it. I, I've always heard of Dungeons and Dragons, but I never played it. Mm -hmm. I remember standing in the line. We all got a lanyard with a player card on it. We thought that was so cool. <laughs> it was a cool thing to do while you're standing in line, too. And we were reading the back of it to find out all about our character. And then we get up there, and it was a large board. Had a humongous D20 dice. Mm -hmm. or Was it a D20? It was a D20, D20 and, yeah. And we would have to roll this huge dice and move around. But what was the company? Oh, uh, Wizards of the Coast. Why couldn't I remember that? It yeah. was a brilliant booth. So they had someone dressed up as a zombie or something coming up after you. 
And we were so scared, like we were going to roll the wrong number and the zombie was going to come up and get us because he would. But as it turned out, in Connell fashion, we won. <laughs> That's right. And all the boys loved it because they were really young at the time. And it was so exciting them to be. And it was this, on this grid, right? And you had to move. You can only move, move a certain number of spaces. So we tried to position ourselves so that when we attacked the zombie, we would be able to have full range of attack and, and do the best we could. It's one of those experiences that we love so much. It's like, oh, I wish we could do this at home. And that year, they were selling an adventure game called uh, Castles of Ravenloft. It was their new D&D adventure board game system, which is basically a dungeon crawler. And it gave that same feeling. We got home. Each of us got to pick a character that we played. We had a dungeon tiles that were set up on the board that were face down. And we'd walk into the dungeon. And as we explored, those tiles would flip up. Monsters would appear. Traps would come up. And the goal was to the, find maybe a certain item. It was a scenario based or something like that. We have to kill monsters, find the items, and uh, try to earn XP and level up. <laughs> and I remember when we brought the game home and played it. And we played it a lot. We had that same feeling. We got to hurry up and get out of here. He's right behind us. That's He's right. going to get us. But I also remember at Gen Con, we tore open that box and explored every little piece, every little miniature, every card, every aspect of it. And we thoroughly enjoyed playing that game. It was such a good family game. Like you said, we never played D&D. So it kind of introduced us to that world of yes, classes of, yes. of wizards and clerics and rogues and fighters and rangers. And also to cosplay, because I love the picture so much that I wanted to dress like that and yep. wear like feather earrings. I remember I bought some feather earrings because <laughs> I liked it so much. But I have to say, that time went on, and it is now 2021. Oh, it is. The kids it is no grown, longer 2010. The kids have grown up. We are now empty nesters. We are. But you know what? Sometimes, especially in October, I go downstairs to the basement, and I feel like Something is coming up behind me and going to get me. <laughs> well, that's because we have this freaky skeleton. Uh, I mean, mannequin woman downstairs dressed up. <laughs> that's, uh, and we're not. We're not. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not kidding, y'all. We have a full size mannequin that's dressed up in this. It's a woman in this long black. It is a beautiful drool. black cosplay outfit that I bought, but I look like Mary Todd wearing it, so <laughs> it went on the mannequin. <laughs> but she looks like Mary Todd. We have her with this real creepy wig. Except she's tall and thin. And this black veil and everything. Yeah, the long wig. But anyway, I say that to say we had a game that we played upstairs in our nice bright <laughs> kitchen would you like to tell everyone about the ghost of salt marsh yeah so now whiz kids has the D adventure game board system so they've had this for a few years they've come out with some new base games and this is an expansion that can be used with any base game so we went back and used this game with our original one that we bought in 2010 they tweaked the rules just a little bit. And I like that, that you can play it with something that is already in existence and that we happen to have. So we didn't have to get anything new in order to open this up. And right. And right in the front uh, of the rules, they said this is an expansion. We're giving you brand new monsters, brand mm -hmm. new tiles, new mm -hmm. scenarios, and a new campaign. You just need to have components such as hero figures, relevant cards, and some other tokens like HP tokens, wound tokens, etc. So if you got that, you're good to go. And uh, in this uh, game, you are in Salt Marsh, which is a very popular area in D&D. Uh, &D. And you're playing through a campaign. And, and we got the, the, the scenarios that we play were very interesting in that Castles of Ravenloft were always 
dungeon crawlers, meaning we had to explore the dungeon and flip over tiles to reveal them. Mm -hmm. And a scenario here, the tiles are already flipped over. Mm -hmm. Your goal is like, it's not spoiling anything. In the first scenario, monsters on the board. There are townsfolk around. You need to save the townsfolk from the monsters. And on your turn, well, number one, you're going to pick one of those characters to play, one of those set characters. One thing I always liked is you get to look through their spells and pick which ones you want to use. So every time you play, you could use different spells Mm -hmm. to make yourself feel unique. Mm -hmm. Some are spells you use all the time. Some are you just use once, et cetera. They might be able to be able to flip over. But on your turn, you can either move, 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 attack, or attack and move. Really straightforward. Unless you have a character that lets you do a little more. That's true. <laughs> so that was different because I remember when we brought this out, I was stuck on exploring. Mm-hmm. And it took me a little bit to, it wasn't exploring, it was saving the town. That's folk. right. That's right. So we had to strategically move around. Monsters would pop up on the board that we had to deal with. And they after, popped up a lot. They did. And on this particular one, so after your turn, all the monsters have to activate and the monsters have to go through this process. Each individual monster will say on the card exactly what needs to be done. Hey, if you're beside somebody, you're going to attack them. If you're not beside somebody, you're going to move this many spaces, et cetera. So it explains to you exactly how it works. Attacks work just like in D&D. When you cast a spell, you're going to roll a D20, basically add an attack bonus. But everybody maybe has special spells or special abilities to make each character feel different. So the basic core game of the system really hasn't changed. Now, with the expansion, they have added a few things. D&D 5th edition added these things called advantages, disadvantages, which are now part of the game, which didn't happen before. Um, Also, uh, in the game that we play, when you roll a natural uh, D20, you could spend XP in order to level up, flip your card over, become level Mm -hmm. two. Here, it's you earn gold, and in between scenarios, you get to go to town. And if you have enough gold, you can level up to level two. You have equipment you can sell. You can get other equipment like that. So then it feels more like a role-playing game. Yes. Yeah. And that's the great thing about role-playing games is that your character evolves. They they get better over time, right? I mean, you can swap out equipment and everything like that. And what's cool is as you find things... Uh, like I said, town actions is what they're called now in between scenarios. You can go in there, you can sell the items that you found while you were, were searching, you know, through the dungeon, etc. You can buy items uh, from the market. There's a display of treasure cards. You might want to pick up something new. You can level up and make your character more powerful. And the goal is you play through. You don't have to. You can, but just play each individual scenario, but not as a campaign. But I think, right. I think the beauty of this is being able to play through a campaign and have your character grow like in a role-playing game. Well... Since we are empty nesters, <laughs> and after we played the game, I think I was too tired to go to town, <laughs> so we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> it's, it's nothing. It's just oh, uh, just okay. Oh, uh, back on target. So uh, I, I, <laughs> I will say. Still, I think that if you have younger kids who've never played D&D or maybe role-playing games are too much for them, I think these adventure board game systems are still a good way to introduce them to D&D mechanics. Absolutely. I 100% agree. We had such a good time with our boys, and it is such a good memory. It is a great way to pull a game out, introduce them to the D&D, and just a lot of fun to get into the character, to um, have the kids either do... Have anyone, not just kids, do either one one play or do the whole one scenario or a whole campaign. Either one. It was a lot of fun. And, and I mentioned kids. I'm sorry, because you just hit that. Yeah. It's true that I have like uh, family members who are very interested yes. in, in D&D. And so yeah. I don't know what that it's means. A, yeah. It's like, 
Well, instead of me throwing you a and d 5th edition book and trying to teach you this, this crazy world yeah. and all this system and stuff, here's a very simple game to introduce you to roles, different abilities that you may have, and just kind of how the dice and mechanics work and everything. Yeah, totally agree. I do have to say one thing, and I don't know. I know I keep saying this a lot, but <laughs> I say empty nesters in age. I had a hard time knowing what was adjacent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, these wild eyes, like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, I, it seems like I remember with Castle Ravenloft, the tiles were like, it was like a, a clearly mm. drawn square. I see what you're and saying. This, yeah. I see what you're saying because uh, in this expansion, so there's tiles and there's spaces. A tile is made up of spaces, but there were some big pieces of the map that were made up of multiple tiles. So when they were the small tiles, you could see where they fit together very well. Mm -hmm. And here are the lines between what would be tiles on those larger map pieces were kind of hard to see. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And also, I will say, too, that there are a lot of dungeon crawls out there. It's become a very popular genre. Gloomhaven's one of the biggest, well-known, biggest selling of all time. So they've all kind of changed uh, over the years. This game, and I remember this from the original game, too, the monster activation can be just like, oh, we got to go through these steps again because they have to move. And if they attack, they attack. The fun stuff is when you get to act. Mm -hmm. Resolving the monsters, uh, if there's a lot of monsters on the board, can seem like it kind of slows down the rhythm a little bit. But once you learn the monsters, you don't have to refer to the cards anymore. I started remembering, okay, I know mm -hmm. what this monster is going to do. I know what this monster is going to do. And I can move through it mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So you do have to learn uh, that part and have to kind of get through that. Yeah. Well, and it didn't deter from the game. I just remember asking you. <laughs> is, is it adjacent? Because <laughs> no. I was ready to kill them all. <laughs> that's right. When it says within three spaces or whatever, I was ready to. Oh, that's right. So here's here's the thing. Uh, if you've never tried out any of these adventure board game systems uh, based in the D&D universe, WizKids does have the base games. And this is an expansion that's come out. So once you buy the base game and you feel like, oh, this is cool, but now I'm wanting to do something else. Ghost of Saltmarsh from WizKids is an expansion that can be played with any base system, so you don't even have to have one of theirs. We proved that it works with the very first one that came out in 2010. Absolutely. And we hope that maybe if you have a chance to pick it up, that maybe you can create some memories of your own, like Vanessa and I did with our kids. You're making memories. Years ago. Making memories. All right, y'all. You just heard about Dreadful Circus. It's coming out at Essen. Or came out at Essen. I think Essen's already over by the time this airs. So go get a copy of Dreadful Circus. Look, we liked it. Okay? He didn't pass to say we liked it. We actually liked it. We went in thinking, are we going to like this? And we played it. And we actually liked it. And if you listen to us later or now or before, I don't know when this part commercial is going to be in the episode, but at some point in time, you have heard or will hear how we like Dreadful Circus from Portal Games. Oh, so good. And, and we have Dune that we're talking about in this episode, and also they have a Dune themed game based on the Detective series. Two great games coming out from Portal. So to find out more, head over to, oh boy, here we go, portalgamesus.com. Did I get it? You got it. And then you'll be redirected to the other website. 
All right, well, typically here, Tony, we talk about, I don't know, some video games we're playing. Pop culture. Let's just have this our pop culture uh, uh, segment here. We're recording this right before Metroid Dread releases. I've got the whole weekend set aside to play Metroid Dread. So even though by the time this comes out, it will have been out. But in the meantime, October 5th, Tony, annual tradition for me, the annual Halloween event begins in Guild Wars 2. And I will be out there playing a game against uh, Mad King Thorn, which I like to do every year. And I have done every year since, what was it, 2008 or so when Guild Wars 1 came out. I remember being online for that and having to mimic him and dance with him. And then you get rewarded with stuff. Yeah, those were the good old days of, of video gaming on the computer when my computer could handle it. I still have those rare dies, those rare images, those rare miniatures in Guild Wars. I, matter of fact, just the other day, I did a download of all the updates for Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. And I said, you know, do I really want to start this yes. again? To come, come, no. come, yes, come in Guild Wars 2 and play. I'll play with you. It'll be fun. We could do we could do the event. By the way, it's different than Guild Wars 1. Remember, he only showed up like every four hours. He shows up way more frequently now. And he only showed up on like Halloween. Now, starting at the event on October 5th, he'll be there every time. One thing I want to do is in the first like 10 days, if you take a character from level 0 to 10, a new character, you get a special weapon or something that levels with you. And I'm wanting to make a new Mesmer for the expansion that comes out because there's an elite specialization of the Mesmer that I like and I don't have a Mesmer character yet. So I'm going to roll a new character. So once you jump in with me and roll a new character and we'll like go from zero to 10. That would be awesome, except I'm going on vacation. So therefore, well, when you get back. All right, we'll look into it. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Guild Wars 2, it's, it's an annual event for me. And on Halloween day, at least once, I will go and play uh, Mad King Says, which is what the game is, which is like... Um, Do slashing mode, slash Yeah, happy, which is like slash. Simon Says, where he'll say, Mad King Says, bow, slash bow. And uh, if you go through the entire game, he gives you some, some treats or something like that. Also, uh, for anybody who is wanting to get into or enjoys anime. I have been uh, with this anime club for the past few weeks where you watch a few episodes episodes of a show and then get together and talk about it. And the first one that I sat down and watched with them was Vinland Saga. Now, I know some anime is hard to get into, Tony. Some of it's kind of out there, bizarre. You know, some of the, the wild animations and everything. Vinland Saga is an historical with fictional characters. So it's based in uh, the time of the Vikings and everything Ooh. that's happening is historically correct. It's just that the characters that you're learning about and, and following are fictional. And it is on Amazon Prime and it's only 24 episodes. Those are some really, really good episodes of TV. Uh, the animation is good. Uh, it is it is a really good story. So if anybody's wanting to, oh, I want to check out something anime, but not something that's really bizarre, this is good because it's not bizarre. It's not supernatural. There's not magic going on. It just tells the story of a few Vikings during the time as they were trying to conquer and defeat England. Oh, so this is going to play right in. See, look at you playing right into what I'm doing right now in Assassin's Creed. There you go. See, see, I was setting you up. So yeah, you, you're you're playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So uh -huh. you could totally get into Vinland Saga. Okay. Right now I'm in a dream state in Assassin's Creed Valhalla where I am in Asgard and I had to be defeat. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I had to beat a big um, 
I can't say I pronounce the Yortons or I, I don't know. I'm in this mode now where I'm just collecting stuff. <laughs> so it's kind of a, it was, it was, I mean, the graphics are amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm enjoying it. I met Thor and Freya and Loki and, you know, you're playing as Odin and I'm just like, okay, this is in tier. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. I had to rush across the rainbow bridge of Asgard. Great song. The booming. Yeah. Um, that's an, how old is that? That was in the 70s. 60s. Did it come out in the 60s, maybe? I don't know, but that was, you know, that was bad animation back then. But it was between that and uh, Dr. Benner. But once again, we squirrel away, but that's all right. I'm having, a, I'm still having fun in Valhalla. I need to finish what I'm doing 1966. here. 1966. I thought they were very, very old. Wow. We just watched them in the 70s. I'll, I will check this out. I got to finish um, on Amazon Prime, The Vikings. I'm like three mm. episodes left in finishing up that whole series and i just have not sat down and committed um what would it be 45 90 135 minutes to it because i think they're 45 minute episodes i just need to finish that up i really enjoyed that uh segment but you know new fall tv season has started the dvr is loading up (laughs) cbs is churning out some big old hits oh can't wait that's funny but you'd be proud of me what's that I am watching Lasso. Yeah, that's good. Um, we watched, uh, again, I'm watching it with Vanessa again. We watched episode seven tonight. Um, okay. Yeah, it's a good show. I, uh, <laughs> the, I'm i also keeping up with uh, What We Do in the Shadows, which is my favorite comedy that's out right now. It's on um, FX. So, God, so funny. I, God, that's, I'm not keeping up with a lot of other TV series. Well, of course, you know, Great British Bake Off. That started. Well, I know you got that. Oh. I know. I haven't. I haven't gotten to the twelfth season yet. We're watching them in, in series. I'm sorry, but that's all right. I will eventually get there, and then we can talk about it. That's right. I mean, you'll eventually catch up to where you're actually watching them in real time or with the the latest season. You know the what was it? The Emmys that were just held, mm-hmm. and I told Donna that Ted Lasso won a bunch of Emmys, mm-hmm. and she goes, "Wait, are we watching what the cool kids are watching?" <laughs> You are. You are. What does she think of it? She loves it. Yeah. I mean, the language is a little rough. But language, she can say is a, I can, language is a little rough. And that's why it's really tough around here because uh, when there's a lot of F-bombs being dropped, it's just, uh, just, just kind of breaks the mood. So I, I wish there was a way to filter some of that out because it's such a good hearted show with characters that are really interesting but yeah uh roy roy, 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 roy. <laughs> yeah roy roy is very colorful in his language and since they're speaking in an so funny speaking in the british accent which is hard on these poor southern ears i've got the closed captions on <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, uh, there's no sense to me. What they say? Yeah, I said back it. I said, here's, here's the here's the closed caption. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, he did say all that. So I, I'm just so proud that we're actually watching with the cool kids. Or you, watching. you are. It's not just blue bloods and stuff like that. Look, I'm so proud of you. I know, but you'd be real proud if I kept rolling dice and taking names. Hey, seriously. Come join our Discord channel. We have so much stuff going on over there right now. We got the links in there for the Secret Santa. Come do our Secret Santa stuff with us. Plus, we got some more events that's going to be coming up, which we think that you may really like. Again, you can find out the link over on our webpage, RollDiceTakeNames.com. To announce one of, actually, our favorite Euros of all time from one of our favorite designers, and that is Brass Birmingham 
designed by Martin Wallace. You've got nothing to say after that. Just like, it's like, you know, yeah, that's a great. Well, you, 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 that's a great you said it. It's, it's, uh, it's you know, okay. You know, we're like, ooh, that, that sounds interesting. Mm. Maybe, you know. Ooh. Okay. All right. Ooh, that, that, that's cool. Or we could just sit here in awkward silence, whatever you want to do. <laughs> but it's not one of my favorites. <laughs>